More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Welcome to episode 112 of Survivor Sanctuary. I'm Kelly and happy as always that you're joining me on the podcast today. If you are new to the podcast, I want to let you know about some really fun things that you can be a part of. You can join us on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group and all you need to do is search Survivor Sanctuary podcast. You have to answer a question to join and as soon as Facebook gets me reinstated, I will let you into the group. Unfortunately, right now, my Facebook was happy and it still has not been reinstated, which partly has been lovely, a little break from social media, never hurt anybody. And the other part of it really stinks because, well, so much of what I do involves being online and it's really difficult for me to interact with listeners when I can't get on Facebook and I can't be a part of the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group right now. But I will assure you there are incredible people that are there, not necessarily moderators, but just some people who have been around the podcast for a while and And they're there to listen if you need to chat, and they're there to offer some great advice and to read anything that you want to share. And if you do want to get in touch with me, and you obviously can't do that via Facebook, well, you can send me a message via the Survivor Sanctuary website. So visit SurvivorSanctuary.com, and if you click Contact, you can fill out the contact form there, and that gets emailed directly to me, and I can answer any questions that you may have. So reach out to me there, please, if you want to get a hold of me. It's SurvivorSanctuary.com. Just click Contact. Another way that you can be involved with the podcast And another way you can contact me is if you are a patron of the podcast, patreon.com forward slash Survivor Sanctuary is where you go to become a patron of the podcast. That's where you give a small amount monthly. It starts at $5, goes up as high as you want it to go. And for every tier that you give, there are some different things that you can take part in, uh, getting extra episodes of the podcast, getting the podcast before anybody else does, some Zoom sessions that we do that are pretty fun. And I am going to add to our $25 monthly level a one-on-one Zoom session. I would love to do that. I love getting to know listeners of the podcast. It just makes me happy. And I like to be able to just kind of one-on-one hear your story, where you're coming from and get to know you. So that is something that I'm adding to the tiers on Patreon. So patreon.com forward slash Survivor Sanctuary. So a couple of ways that you can get involved and get connected either through the Facebook group or through survivorsanctuary.com, the contact form, or becoming a patron of the podcast and any way you choose to interact. Always love interacting with listeners. Well, we typically speak here on the podcast about how sexual abuse affects people within the church or sexual abuse that's related to the church. But there are some forms of sexual abuse that are more of like in general, I guess you could say, that aren't necessarily directly related to the church, but still affect us greatly. And there is something that I have noticed over the last couple of months, but especially in June last month and then this month, 
that there has been article after article after article coming out about how artificial intelligence is actually causing an uptick in child sexual abuse materials online, previously known as child pornography, and these AI tools that are kind of all at once, like amazing, they're also pretty scary because, well, things like this are happening and AI has been sparking this kind of mass explosion of very lifelike images that show kids being sexually exploited. And they're not real necessarily. Now, some of them are created from real content and then new content is generated. But we have intelligence now that can generate a graphically sexual image of a child within seconds, and that child doesn't have to exist. And it's something that, I mean, the Washington Post just did an article on this, the New York Post, BBC, the New York Times, did an article about the race to prevent what we would consider the worst case scenario for AI. And that has companies kind of scrambling to block the creation and distribution of child sexual abuse material, because this is all kind of a new field. I know that AI has been around for a while and it's been growing, but it seems to me like within the last maybe year, year and a half, the apps and websites where you can just type anything in. Like last year, I remember being in the car with my nephew and he's like, Aunt Kel-Kel, because that's what my nieces and nephews all call me, Kel-Kel. And he's like, Aunt Kel-Kel, just say something, give me anything. And and I'll come up with pictures of it. And so I would just try to think of the, the dumbest things I could possibly think of that like thinking nothing could make this, you know, pop out as a picture. And he would show me some incredible images from different apps. And I'll be honest, I don't use these apps myself. Like I know ChatGPT is huge right now. And in fact, in the law firm that I work for, uh, AI is this scary thing for everybody because, you know, what the experts are saying is eventually this is going to replace all your jobs. Basically, like we're not going to need you for anything because AI is going to be able to generate all of the documents that you're working on. They're going to be able to file things. They're going to like, you're basically not going to be needed. Now, I don't know how much I buy into that. I think that humans are probably always going to be needed, but this is one of those things. Like when I think back 10, 20, even 30 years of my life, thinking about the technology that we have right now, I had no idea. When I went off to college, I didn't even have an email address yet. Like I really used the internet. I guess for the first time I was probably like 15, 16, but the internet was very sparse. There was not a lot. I wanted there to be more than there was because I wanted to be able to like research and and find cool things. And there wasn't a whole lot. Like when I was growing up in the 90s, it just the internet was very new. I remember my dad being super fascinated by it. People were fascinated by like chat rooms and being able to, you know, talk to people around the world. It was so cool. And then I get off to college. I get my first email address in college, my freshman year. And like, it kind of just went from there. I remember like a couple years into college, I started buying gifts for people for Christmas from Amazon and stuff. And like, that was so crazy to me, like how convenient it was, but this was years ago. And it's just one of those things you look back on technology and you think, oh my gosh, how far have we come as a society? 
And it's really cool on one hand. And on the other hand, it is pretty terrifying. And I think that one of the reasons that it's so terrifying when it comes to child sexual abuse and child sexual abuse material is because this is something that experts are starting to warn, but I don't even think you need to be an expert to see that this is where it's going to lead, that AI-generated child sexual abuse material is going to desensitize people to child sexual abuse and child sexual abuse material. It is going to normalize, I think, the sexual abuse of children. And that's a really terrifying prospect. And that in and of itself gives me a lot of pause when it comes to AI. But we know this is not going anywhere. This is not a thing of like, AI is evil. We need to get rid of it. It's here. It's here to stay. It's only going to grow. It's only going to get bigger. And I, you know, this is just one of those things. There, There's a way to use technology for good. There's a way to use it for evil. And unfortunately, there are people in the world who are going to use technology for evil because they have evil intent in their heart. And I kind of feel that way about child sexual abuse and child sexual abuse material in general, like children are amazing, children are incredible, children are a gift. And there are people in the world who are going to look at children and not see them as beautiful, incredible, wonderful creatures of God, but they're going to see them as people to exploit and people to use for sexual gratification. Unfortunately, that is the world that we live in. And I, I wanna say, like that's the world we live in right now. But but if we're 100% honest with ourselves, that's the way the world has always been. There have always been people in the world who have wanted to exploit children. There have always been people in the world who had evil in their hearts and who are wolves and who look at a kid and they don't, you know, see, oh, the future or nothing. You know, some people look at kids and they're like, ugh, I don't want to have kids. Like they're so snotty and annoying. That might be some person's view of a child. Maybe they don't look at children and think, oh, majestic creatures who are the future and we love them and adore them. But at least they don't have ill intent for them. But there always have been those people who have. You can read ancient literature, you can read the Bible, and you can find it there that people are exploiting children and using them for sexual gratification and abusing them because that is what is in the hearts of some people. They are depraved and they are evil and they're wolves in sheep's clothing. And when they look at a child, they see prey. They don't see someone that they should protect. And so while that has always existed, I think the really scary thing as years go on and on and on is to see the new and improved ways that sexual predators and child sexual predators can use advances in technology to make their preying even more efficient. Because if you go back to like the 60s, 70s, even like the 80s, it was harder to find ways to sexually exploit children. I mean, I'm not sure uh, what kind of child sexual abuse material was available back in the day. I'm thinking that people had to pretty much make their own if they wanted to have like photographs of children in sexually compromising positions or any kind of exploitation of children. They probably had to make it themselves. There definitely wasn't a dark web where people could go to exchange pornography. So as technology advances, I don't think it's that suddenly people are more depraved than they used to be? Well, little caveat for that. I actually do think that people are a little bit more depraved now than they used to be because the opportunities are so much greater. But I don't think that the heart of man has changed that drastically, that suddenly everyone is way more evil than they used to be. I think that the opportunities for evil are there 
and they're so much easier to get involved with and get a hold of. Again, 60s, 70s, 80s, even 90s, you don't have internet chat rooms where you can go. You don't have the dark web where you can go and you can find just millions and millions of images of children being sexualized because that wasn't something that existed. And I actually, you know, I haven't done any deep dive into how people exchanged child sex abuse material back in the day as opposed to today. It just wasn't something that was as prevalent because we didn't have the technology that we have now. So now, not only do we have people who are exploiting kids on social media, you know, friending kids on Instagram and on TikTok and on Snapchat and Facebook and, and all the other ones that are coming out like every other day, I feel like there's a new social media platform that's popping up that I just don't have time to be a part of. And I know though that our kids someday and their kids are going to be part of all of this. And every time a new one comes out and gets popular, it's going to be a new method of interacting with other people, but it also becomes a method of exploiting children. It becomes a new avenue for people to be able to exploit children and sexualize children and prey on children. And again, I'm not here to say that that makes technology evil and we should kill the internet and and destroy it and all of that. But with each advance in technology, comes a lot of ethical questions and considerations. And right now with AI, we're seeing just, I think, the the tip of the iceberg here of what could go terribly wrong with AI. And I want to say this because a couple of the articles that I've read, and I'll link to some of them in the show notes, a couple of the articles that I've read have talked about how AI is unfortunately going to normalize child sexual abuse. Because as more and more of these graphic images are being shared online, and as more and more can just be created in in, in a split second, you don't need a live child to do it. That is unfortunately going to be one of the ramifications is that this becomes something that is normalized. And the last stinking thing on the face of this planet that we want to do is normalize the sexual abuse and the sexualization of children. Now, when we talk about normalizing child sexual abuse, I know that there can be kind of a lot of partisan politics related crap because I don't know what else to call it that kind of comes up for people. And right now we're seeing a lot of that where people, you know, if you heard the last episode of the podcast where we talked about, you know, pastors you talking about how drag queen story hour is horrible and the target swimsuit line for transgender children is horrible. And then you have the people who are in opposition to that saying that, you know, if you disagree with those things, then you're transphobic and you're homophobic and you're a terrible person. There's a lot of fighting across the aisle, we'll put it that way, when it comes to talking about things like the normalization of child sexual abuse. But I, I kind of want to put aside the arguments that that people are using that are highly politicized and highly partisan. I, I sort of want to put aside, you know, the idea that when we talk about the normalization of childhood sexual abuse, that means that, you know, we're anti-drag queen or if we talk about normalizing sexuality for kids, that it's harmful to them, that we are being, you know, transphobic. I don't really want to touch on 
that aspect of it in this podcast because I think that it's so much more than that. It's more than an argument between the left and the right about whether or not you support transgender ideology or whether or not you think it's okay for a drag queen to read stories to children. I I think that when we just argue about those things, it kind of takes away from the overall importance of discussing child sexual abuse. When we only talk about grooming when it comes to partisan politics and when we can blame it on the opposing party, I think it does damage to the fight against childhood sexual abuse. It just really bothers me that that there are certain things we can't speak up about without having some sort of a an argument with someone who is on the opposite end of the political spectrum. So I'm a little bit weary of all that. It's frustrating. It's annoying that I think that everybody can get behind the idea that childhood sexual abuse is vile and horrible. Everybody can get behind that idea. But when you start breaking it down, then we start getting into these really annoying political arguments. And I I don't think that childhood sexual abuse is a partisan issue. It's not. Because childhood sexual abuse happens in Christian homes. It, It happens in conservative homes. It happens in liberal homes and completely non Christian homes. And you'll have people arguing and saying, your child is 10 times safer at a drag queen show you know, than they are at a church service. And I'll see that people making those arguments like it's more dangerous for your kid to go to the bathroom at church than it is for your kid to go to the bathroom at a drag show or whatever. And and the bottom line is we actually don't know if that's true. Um, we do know that the church can be a very, very unsafe place for people. And we also know that there are churches where your child is probably perfectly safe going to the restroom in in church. Abusers hide everywhere, in all walks of life, in all professions. They're everywhere. And they don't respect, you know, whether or not you're religious, and they don't respect whether or not you think drag shows are fine for kids, and they don't respect your political affiliation. They just don't. And so I think we get stuck in those little details, and it really detracts from the fact that everybody should be concerned about protecting children. So anyway, just a little rabbit trail there, because I honestly feel like I I can't have conversations like this without people kind of politicizing it and making it an opportunity to kind of bash their political opponents or the party that they don't like. And I, I don't want to do that because I think that there's a there are bigger fish to fry. And that's not to say that you shouldn't speak out. And I've said this in podcasts before. If you see someone sexualizing a child, if you see someone exposing a child to highly sexualized behavior that they're not like cognitively prepared for because they're children, that it's inappropriate for them, I think that every single time you should speak out about it. And yes, you're going to get pushback by people who say, well, if you don't think this is okay, then that means this. I hate that. I've seen drag queens in videos performing in front of children. And in some cases, the videos that I've seen that have gone around virally have been highly sexualized. Like, I don't think a drag queen should be twerking in front of children at an event. I don't think that a drag queen should be undulating in front of children. I just don't. Highly sexualized dancing. But I would say that about any person in the world 
who was doing that in front of a child, whether they were an exotic dancer who was completely heterosexual, whether they were just a random teenager acting like an idiot, or whether they were the man in the mood. I don't care. I don't care. What I care about is that you don't sexualize children and that you don't do inappropriate, highly sexualized things in front of children because that normalizes sexualized behavior for children. So while I don't enter the arguments that people are having about whether or not any event with a drag queen is family-friendly or child-friendly or whatever, if I see someone, whether it's a pastor, whether it's a nun, whether it is a drag queen or a stripper or a, a person working at the local grocery store, if I see any of those people, literally anyone, sexualizing kids or performing some sort of highly sexualized behavior in front of kids, I'm going to call that out every single time. And unfortunately, when you call out certain behaviors that are inappropriate in front of children, you'll get one group of people that immediately shuts down and immediately will label you intolerant or something else for saying that because suddenly they feel like, oh, this is infringing on you know this political territory that I hold very dear. And that's not just when it concerns something like drag queens, which we just discussed. I see that a lot as well. And if you really think about it, it's the same exact problem on two opposite sides that people will listen all day long. If you talk about, you know, drag queens being a danger to children or homosexuals being a danger to children or the liberal left or Hollywood being a danger to children, but they will immediately shut down. If you start talking about the rampant issue of sexual abuse within evangelical Christianity immediately. They cannot hear because then it's not like a political party that they can be bound to. It's like, oh, no, you can't mess with the church. You can't mess with conservatives. You can't, you know, draw attention to this because we need all the attention drawn to the evil other side. So hear me when I say that this isn't about picking a political side. It is not about a political ideology. The only ideology I care about is the one that says children should not be sexualized and they should not be exposed to highly sexualized behavior because it is inappropriate at their age and it normalizes sexual abuse. When kids see sexual behavior and sexual activity performed in public, performed in front of them, or even if it's in private but it's happening and they're seeing it, then they are automatically going to become desensitized to it. And the younger you are, the more you think, well, this must be normal because people are doing this and that must be how we're supposed to behave. And I have seen kids like in the nursery where I would volunteer at church almost every single Sunday because my dad was a pastor. I was in the nursery pretty much every Sunday and I would see kids performing really sexualized dancing like at four and five years old. And it was just super depressing to me and scary that kids were being sexualized and being introduced to this highly sexualized behavior at such a young age. Again, it's not a partisan issue. Child sexual abuse and the sexualization of children, the exploitation of children is something that everyone should care about. And everyone, regardless of their political affiliation, should be nervous about artificial intelligence and the fact that it is normalizing child sexual abuse. And we're just at the very, very edge 
of this entire world of AI. We're at the very beginning, like getting ready to jump off of a cliff, and experts are already seeing the problem with it. They're already seeing how it is opening the door to normalizing the sexualization of kids and normalizing child sexual abuse and desensitizing people to it. We don't want to desensitize people to it. And what we also don't want to do is feed the monster. So there are people out there who have for years and for decades, I mean, they used to write books on the topic and probably still do, people who are advocating whether it's just in their little online forums or on their blogs or on Twitter or whatever, but advocating for basically the normalization of child sexual abuse and the normalization of being attracted to minors. They call themselves minor attracted persons or MAPs. And I've had arguments with people on Twitter before who have taken issue with me saying that people who have sexually abused children shouldn't be welcome in churches. And just like, the maps of Twitter getting super upset and up in arms and kind of trying to guilt me for saying that people who have sexually abused children shouldn't be allowed in church. And these are people who say, listen, it's not our fault we're attracted to children sexually. And to that, I would say that's possibly true. I don't believe it's normal for someone to have a sexual attraction to children. I don't believe that that's a normal urge that just everybody's born with. It's obviously something that I would classify as a mental health disorder. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist, but that's what I would say. If you find children sexually arousing, then you have a psychological issue. And so I don't really have a problem with people saying that. What I have a problem with, though, is minor attracted persons advocating for themselves. Like we should just be allowed to be normal, happy, healthy members of society that don't have this stigma surrounding them. And we should just be allowed to live because just because you're attracted to children doesn't mean that you're sexually abusing children. I would say that that's probably true that not every person who finds themselves sexually attracted to kids has acted on it. I'm sure there are people who have not. But here's the issue that I have. If you're going on Twitter, if you're going on social media, if you're going on your blog and you are advocating for it to just be normal that you're attracted to minors as an adult, that I have a problem with. I have a problem with the fact that the maps of Twitter put in their Twitter bio, basically the first thing that you read about them when you go to their page, they put in their Twitter bio the age and sex of the kids that they're attracted to. So say you've got Tim the map and he is just tweeting away that, you know, minor attractive persons should be treated like everybody else. I have a question. Why does the whole world need to know in your Twitter bio that you find children between the ages of six and eight who are male the most attractive? That's kind of where I feel like the normalizing of this whole minor attracted persons thing becomes an issue. Because if you truly are just a person who is struggling with this attraction to children that you didn't ask for, that you were just born with and that you fight against and you never want to harm a kid, then why do you need to flaunt the age and sex of the children that you're attracted to? If you're just a normal member of society who just struggles with this thing that other people don't understand, but it's something you didn't choose and that you can't do anything about, 
why do you need to flaunt it? Why do you need to feed it? And I think that the biggest issue with artificial intelligence is going to be the way that it feeds the monster of childhood sexual abuse. You can say all day long that you didn't choose an attraction to children. You can say all day long that, you know, that was something that was some sort of miswiring in your brain some sort of mental health disorder that you were born with and you can't help. You can say that all day long. But if you are feeding the monster, you are not just an innocent bystander who is a victim of your own brain who can't help how you were born and who just wants to keep kids safe. Because if you really wanted to keep the kids safe, you're not on Twitter trying to let other maps know the age and sex of the kids that you're attracted to. Because what pedophiles do when they get online, and I'm not an expert in this, but I've heard enough people talk about it is they're trading pictures. They're they're trading child sex abuse materials. They're posting the age and sex of the kids that they like, because that is going to signal to other maps who might have some interesting contraband to share with them. Because there's no reason why normal, non-minor attracted humans need to know the age and sex of the children who arouse you. That's disgusting. It's disgusting and it's something that I think directly contradicts what a lot of maps are trying to say. We're just these innocent people who are victims of this mental health disorder or whatever they're calling it. I've seen some say, well, I was sexually abused as a kid and honestly, it really didn't affect me. Well, that's terrifying because if you're flaunting that you're a map, If you're flaunting the age and sex of the kids that you're attracted to and you're stating that you were sexually abused as a kid but it didn't affect you at all, I mean, hello, now you're a minor attracted person. So I would say that there is a very large argument for the fact that perhaps it did affect you as a child and you just don't want to admit it. But with all of that, you're not exactly a poster child for the safety and innocence of minor attracted persons or the fact that we should all just accept them with open arms. I kind of feel like if you have an attraction to kids that you don't want to have and you really don't ever want to harm a child, you could very well work with a professional to let them know like, hey, I have this strange thing happening in my brain that I don't want And I would like for you to work with me and help me not have it. I've never harmed a kid and I never intend to in my entire life, but this is just, it is what it is. And I realize there are some issues because it's not always just that simple, like, okay, go and seek therapy. But what I don't believe is the truth is that you have the best interest of kids at heart, but you simultaneously need to flaunt your attraction to them. Those two things just don't mix. I've heard the argument made And I've heard this argument made with like child sex abuse materials, people just downloading them. And they'll say, you know, why does somebody have to spend like 20 years in prison? If you look at like Josh Duggar, why does somebody have to spend 20 years in prison, 15 years in prison for just looking at images? They weren't even touching kids. You know, maybe looking at those images prevented them from touching kids. Well, first of all, I would say that there is no victimless child sex abuse material crime because a child had to be used in that material. The issue with artificial intelligence, though, is that you can create these child sex abuse materials without actually having a live child. And I can see the arguments already coming. Like, I don't even need to hear anybody say it because I know that it's coming. 
if it's artificial intelligence, if it's not real kids being harmed, then what's the harm in it? I feel like that minor attractive persons will probably be making the argument that, well, it's AI and this is actually really helping. You know, AI that can generate these child sex abuse materials so that we can view this graphic content and no child has to be harmed. Like that should be something that we're all happy about because now we can generate child sex abuse material and we can generate graphic sexual images of children without ever hurting a kid. And that's great news. Here's the problem though. You feed the monster. You normalize sexual abuse when you begin viewing images of child sex abuse. You normalize, your brain becomes desensitized to it. I remember sitting in college and I went to Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida, and man, they did not want us to have premarital sex. (laughs) They just did not. You know, we signed a covenant like you're not going to drink. You're not going to. And listen, I'm not I'm not laughing at the concept of not having premarital sex. I'm not laughing at that. It's just like funny to me that that was the biggest concern of the college we went to, that we would not drink, that we would not use tobacco related products and that we would not have premarital sex. And we had to sign like these agreements in order to go to college there. And that's, you know, Christian colleges by and large. Um, yeah, people were doing it anyway. Like you would hear the the buzz. I was always a very rule abiding person. Like that's what I did with my life. So I wasn't breaking that rule. But I remember sitting in like a psychology class and our professor talking about how, you know, when it comes to sexual behavior, the more you do, the more you want to do. And that was kind of how they scared us into not making out with each other, I guess. Because if you start kissing, then you're going to want to do more than kissing. Like it's never going to be enough as your body adjusts to like these desires or whatever it is. Every step you take, your your brain and your body are going to want to take another step. And I mean, that's that, that's pretty accurate advice. Like they're not wrong. And so I just remember thinking, Well, that's true, I guess. If I make out with this dude, then I'm going to want to do things I shouldn't be doing since I signed a covenant saying that I wouldn't. And because, of course, you know, I was a good Christian girl. But the same thing applies, I think, when it comes to child sex abuse material and the exploitation of children, which is one of the reasons why experts are concerned that this could cause a serious uptick in the number of actual real life child sex abuse cases. Because, again... Crimes related to child sex abuse material are never victimless crimes, even if it's generated by AI. The problem is you are feeding the monster. You are feeding that desire to sexualize children. You are feeding your attraction to children. You're feeding that monster. And so even if you're doing it with artificial intelligence where, hey, just some computer generated this image, no child was involved, and no adult was involved except the person who's looking at it. So yay, no victims, and I can get my jollies however I need to get them, and I'm not harming anybody else. But the reality is that if you feed this monster, if you continue to sexualize children, whether AI generates the content or not, you are far more likely to end up sexually abusing a child. That is a hill that I will die on because it's just the truth. Talk to any expert. You do not stop an addiction by participating in that addiction in a way that you deem safe. That's just not how it works. If you are a drug addict, 
no drug abuse counselor is telling you, well, just do these kinds of drugs and you'll probably be fine. Because they understand that if a person is an addict, that physical process of getting high is something that they are going to seek out over and over and over again. And it's something they're going to become desensitized to and they're going to need stronger and stronger and stronger drugs. And that might be an oversimplification of this child sex abuse AI issue, but it doesn't change the fact that being able to generate graphically sexual images of children at the snap of a finger is going to increase the risk that you offend in real life with a real person because eventually that picture is not enough. Eventually they're not providing you with what you need. A picture is not enough. Now I need a video. Well, even if we can generate video, now I need something else. Like it, it is not going to stop there. It just isn't. It never has. It never will. People who are okay with exploiting photographs of children, people who are okay with pleasuring themselves. I mean, I'm sorry, I don't want to be graphic, but this is what's happening. People who are pleasuring themselves to photographs that are graphically sexual and a lot of times sexually violent against children, people who are doing that do not have the best interest of children at heart. People who are doing that are feeding a monster that is not going to make them less likely to offend. It's going to make them more likely to offend. So before the maps start telling us that artificial intelligence is actually great because it gives them the opportunity to fulfill their sexual fantasies while not actually hurting a living, breathing child, we need to understand what experts in the field understand. And that is that people who are creating these super realistic graphic images of kids doing sexual things is going to increase the number of children who are being sexually abused in real life. It's not necessarily an issue that's just related to sexual abuse in the church, but it's an issue that affects everyone, whether you're in church or you're not. This whole artificial intelligence and the increase in graphic sexual images of kids online It's an issue for everybody. And I think in the church, I would say that you can ask any pastor or church leader or Christian that attends church in general, and they'll probably tell you that child sex abuse material or child pornography, as most people continue to refer to it, the child pornography is disgusting. It's despicable. You know, obviously that's horrible and we would never agree that it's okay, which is fantastic that they think that. But when it comes to actually acting on that belief, when it comes to a Christian figure or someone who's just prominent in your church being caught with child sex abuse material, I feel like sometimes the tune changes or a lot of time it changes. You look at Josh Duggar and so many people came to that guy's defense and still do. Listen, he made a mistake. You know, haven't you made a mistake before? And Josh Duggar was convicted for viewing and downloading some of the most graphic child sex abuse material that these experts who've worked in the field for years had ever seen. Horrifying, horrifying stuff. And you have Christians, you know, rallying around him and saying, we just need to forgive. And you know, haven't we all sinned? And, but for the grace of God, there go I, and all that garbage that just isn't true. Pastors, youth pastors, Sunday school teachers, deacons being arrested and being in the news for being caught with child sex abuse material. 
and you have church people defending them. And a lot of times, yes, it's people in the church who have only known this pastor or leader as a great person who's, you know, never done anything wrong in their eyes. And they want to offer that redemption and grace and forgiveness card immediately rather than understanding that just punishment is necessary in a case like this, that protecting kids is necessary when it comes to any person being attracted to kids to the point that they are willing to exploit them through photographs, through videos, or through sexually abusing them in person. It's one thing to say that you think that child sex abuse material or child pornography is terrible. It's a whole different Paul game when someone you know and respect in the Christian community is caught with child sex abuse material because a lot of people's tune changes and then it all becomes about grace and mercy and repentance and God's love. But, you know, repentance a little bit because to most people, repentance is just crying for five minutes and saying you're sorry. And that's it. You know, it's not about proving you've changed. It's not about demanding to see the fruit of repentance. It's just about someone cried. They said they're sorry. The end. We are no longer in any position to require anything else of them. And, you know, that's just a load of garbage. It boggles the mind that we're just finding like new and improved ways of exploiting and abusing children every single day. It's scary. Honestly, when when I look at it, um, you like to hear the positive and, and happy stories about people being caught and being punished, kids being rescued from abusive situations, kids being rescued from child sex trafficking. In this work, you need to be able to celebrate wins because life can be very bleak and depressing if you don't. But I'll honestly say, just to finish up this episode of Survivor Sanctuary, and it's not like on a warm, fuzzy note because I really don't have any warm, fuzzy feelings about this uh, because I believe what the experts are saying, that we are just at the tip of the iceberg here and that artificial intelligence is opening a door that we're not going to be able to close or get back through. It is opening up so many new opportunities for people to feed their predatory lust for children and also to expose children who use AI, use the internet, expose them to these super sexualized graphic images of kids and introduce them to child pornography at a young age. It's scary. Like, I don't have anything good to say. I'm not like an anti-AI person. It's just that you see with every new platform, with every new technology that opens up, it seems like, wow, there's just this new and improved way to abuse children. And it's scary. Uh, Maybe, you know, in the coming months, the coming years, I'll have some great thing to say about, you know, how AI is actually helping in the fight against child sex abuse but for right now, it's kind of terrifying to see where this could all go and, and honestly, where it probably will go. And I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but we see it. We see that there is just this strong, strong desire. And I don't even think that we know how deep it goes because I don't think that we'd be able to handle it if we knew the kind of evil that really existed out there. And I'm not being a conspiracy theorist, but we can only read so many stories And you know that the stories that actually make it to the news are just scratching the surface of what's actually going on 
in child sex abuse, in child sex abuse material, in child sex trafficking. We're scratching the surface of what's actually happening in the world of people who are sexually attracted to children. Now, I said I was ending with bad news and I didn't have anything warm and fuzzy to share, but actually there is something that I can share here that might make us feel just a wee bit better before I close out this episode. There are already AI platforms and sites that are doing their best to keep people from creating this imagery and child sex abuse material. Um, They're prohibiting images that obviously sexualize children or some sites are completely prohibiting any kind of sexualized AI creation. Unfortunately, on the dark web, there are a lot of people who are already learning how to work around these rules and work around these people's sites and find ways. And that's just what's crazy to me, that you have people working so hard to create this despicable content. And again, we're just kind of scratching the surface of it. But at least, at least some of the big AI sites are aware that this is a potential danger. This is something that's happening. And they're trying to combat it. But we know that the will of someone who desires to sexualize children is intense. I think I was listening to Jimmy Hinton's podcast once and he was talking about a pastor, I believe, who had been caught sexually abusing kids. And and he said flat out, if God himself like came down and told me, if you do this, you're going to go to hell, he still would have chosen to do it because his desire was that strong. So if burning for eternity in a lake of fire is not enough of a deterrent I have trouble believing that these AI sites, you know, security blocks are really going to have that much of an effect. I want to read you this from the New York Post. The National Crime Agency, the NCA, the UK's leading agency combating organized crime, warned this week the proliferation of machine-generated explicit images of children is having a radicalizing effect, normalizing pedophilia. We don't want that. We, we don't want that at all. So just a new, a, a new and improved way that people are going after what they want, which is children to sexually abuse. It's crazy. Crazy the world we live in. I know there's nothing new under the sun and, and people have been sexualizing children since the dawn of time. And this evil has always existed. Um, but it's scary the avenues that people have to fulfill their desires these days. And I think that if there's one thing we need to keep fighting for, it's to refuse to allow kids to be sexualized and to be exposed to highly sexualized behaviors and content that normalizes sexual behavior for them at an age when they're not ready for it. And especially not with an adult. And if you see it, say something about it. Talk about it. You'll probably get some pushback. I mean, even not from maps. You might get a pushback from people who just think you're being intolerant for whatever reason. But I think it's important that even if people get mad at you, even if people think like, oh, this stance means that you don't like my political party, um, whether you do or not, it, it doesn't matter. Speak up against normalizing child sex abuse. That's not okay. 
That is today's episode. Ran a little long, had a lot to say. Thanks for sticking with me. And also remember, you can become a patron of the podcast, patreon.com forward slash Survivor Sanctuary. And you can reach out to me via the Survivor Sanctuary website, survivorsanctuary.com. Simply click to contact, fill out that contact form, and I will get back to you. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.